Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the latest episode of Soccer in the City. Tom Kolker, Glenn Crooks, Roberto Bromwich, John Rojas, talking New York City FC and Major League Soccer. Always an exciting episode. So much to get into from this last week in Major League Soccer. I was going to talk a little CONCACAF Champions League. But let's start, Glenn, with New York City FC. A big win on the road, 2-0 at Philadelphia, defending supporter shield winners. And of course, we knew going in Philadelphia, one of those teams dealing with CONCACAF. And the big question is, you know, what kind of lineup would they come out with? What kind of lineup would New York City come out with? And you have been a proponent for three at the back for a long time. New York City finally goes to three at the back with Ibiaga and Sands and Collins. Uh, for Philadelphia, the big question was Shabilko had that monster game down in Atlanta for CONCACAF Champions League. He was not in the starting lineup. Only the second time since he's been with Philadelphia where he has not been in the starting 11 for the Union. We know we would see him eventually in the second half, but New York City gets the early goal in the fifth minute. About 10 minutes later, Martinez gets the red card for the elbow to Castellanos, and New York City would then add the second goal. Uh, you felt like New York City certainly had the advantage not only after they got the goal, but certainly being up a man. And we talked about on our broadcast a little bit how would you know New York City react with with Philadelphia being down 10 minutes and out galvanize them. And you really felt like maybe the game was not put away until they got that second goal, especially once Shabilko entered the match. But uh, overall, a, a big three points on the road uh, early on in the season. Now back-to-back wins and Castellanos and Medina keep scoring. Yeah, no, it was a good game. Uh, good win in uh, the 15 minutes prior to the red card. Uh, New York City, uh, was playing their best uh, soccer of the season. I, I don't think anyone uh, could debate that. And yeah, they went to this uh, three-back system, pretty much a 3-4-3 three, three, the way uh, we figured it would be constructed with the uh, wingbacks, uh, Goody and uh, Tinnerholm providing a lot of the width in the attack. In fact, it was that Tinnerholm overlap that led to the first goal around Medina, who was receiving the ball in that inside channel. So uh, my personal assessment and I think I said it on the broadcast, is Jim Curtin did, and his staff did not prepare for that shape, not even minutely. I think it was a big shock to them that New York City came out like that because the way they were kind of, they just seemed scattered defensively, really unorganized. They couldn't figure out who should step, who should. So when you look at that, Generally, when a team is struggling like that, they they haven't prepared for that particular uh, shape. So I, I think it took them a while. Then the red card 
And, uh, you know, Maddie Lawrence on our broadcast said, uh, well, we said collectively that with four days rest, we were a bit shocked that Shabilka was not in the starting 11. And maybe you play him 60 minutes and then you take him out and get him ready for the, the Champions League match uh, midweek. So uh, that was a, a bit of a surprise, I'd have to say. But uh, with nine games in 22 matches, excuse me, nine matches in 22 days from that date on, uh, you figure Curtin was just uh, looking on the rotation. My final thought right now as we really get into it is that I think Sebastian Ibiaga sometimes is overlooked as how valuable he is to the team, especially, and we've talked about this quite often, that because of the salary cap, budgets, that those guys like, you know, 15 through the end of the roster, that you can't pay them. You can't pay them like you can in other leagues. And he's one of those guys that's in that area who comes in and, and adds such value. He's a spot starter that always gets it done. I, I really don't recall uh, Ibiaga coming in in a spot like that and, and failing. So, uh, you know, hats off to Ibiaga. He would have been in my uh, 11 team of the week uh, for sure. Go ahead. Any, who's next? Is Roberto back? Is Roberto back yeah, for I'm this back. juice? Did you get your juice, yes. Roberto? I, okay. I do. I have it. Right. It's, it's giving me some energy. I think a little bit more energy than Philadelphia had for sure. You know, we know in sports there are certain trap games that teams have. And then we also sometimes we, we find that it's more than a trap game. It's a game that winds up being overlooked. And, and, and I think New York City wound up being overlooked a little bit by Philadelphia. I think that their concentration on the Champions League game that they had midweek against Atlanta. It was just absolutely foremost on their mind. Now, Jim Curtin said that according to the data that he had, making wholesale changes doesn't work out and that it's better just to make a couple of changes. And he stuck to that because he didn't make a lot of changes, although obviously there were important ones when you have somebody like Ashes Vilko who, do who doesn't play or do doesn't start for the team and only comes in towards the end. But it was a very lackluster affair for Philadelphia all the way around. And obviously the red card by Martinez in the 18th minute re really changed, or in the 15th minute rather, it makes things absolutely worse for them. Because the fact is, is that uh, New York City had three shots on goal before Philadelphia had their first shot on goal, which was on the 19th minute. And by that time, Martinez was already out of the game. And if you look at it, I mean, they only had one, two, three. They had four shots altogether in the entire game. So there wasn't much difference, honestly, on the way the team played with uh, 11 versus 11 versus 11 versus 10. It was total domination by New York City. And a lot probably has to do with, as what Glenn said, the formation that may have gotten them a little bit of a, a, little bit of a surprise. But at the end of the day, it was just one of those games where – I don't think Philadelphia was really focused on this game at all. And so it's hard to, to really find out how good New York City is based on this game. I wouldn't take it on that. It's almost like a flyer, and we're going to let this game go. Uh, for, the, for New York City fans, the important things are they got the three points. They Even despite having an opponent that wasn't concentrated on them, they did the job. They played well. They created a lot of opportunities. Blake was great again making a lot of fantastic saves, but they got goals. And if you want to, look, to come out with something really, really positive about New York, aside from the fact of what Glenn mentioned, is the continued 
rise, if I should say it that way, of Jesus Medina and Tati Castellanos. Castellanos has got now, if you go back to last season, goals in five straight games. He's got seven goals in those five games. He scored in every goal. He scored in every game so far this season. And Medina has been just a much better player than he's shown in the past. And last year we saw a lot, a lot better of Medina. And you can't tell by the amount of goals he scored or the amount of assists or what he did offensively. But he did a lot of dirty work defensively. He always came back and helped. And a lot of that stuff doesn't show up on the scoreboard, doesn't show up on the stat sheets. But he did a lot of dirty work, and a lot of, a lot of his teammates recognize that. Sean Johnson spoke to that after the game as well. So there's a lot of positives for New York City in this, and the biggest positive to me is still the fact that uh, Medina and Castellanos are becoming brighter and brighter players as every game goes by. Well, let's welcome in John Rojas. And John, I know you're going to give your opening statement, but I, I would like to let fans know after the game, you did tweet another game with a grain of salt for New York City. So I'd like you to to go over that. And then I wanted you to just to comment on Glenn's uh, point that he feels like Curtin and the, the coaching staff really didn't have the team prepared for this game. So go ahead. It may be, I mean, you want, you want me to take you guys both at the same time or one by one? <laughs> Your choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go one I mean, by one. It may be um it may be that the the setting that Ronnie Dyla put out there for this game uh, took uh, Philadelphia by surprise. But I don't see in any way, shape or form a team that did not care about this game. And uh, was thinking about Tuesday and not uh, Saturday. Especially when you start by having more than 85% of your best players on the field. Including a guy who is one of the oldest on the team, Alejandro Bedoya. So, uh, in that sense, it's important for New York City FC that is not predictable. And I think that is a really good step forward. And having that uh, line of three, I think it shows that it can work. And you can do that because you have Alfredo Morales. So that's basically the main point there for NYCFC. Taking advantage of Alfredo Morales in this way is going to help the team in many other games around to not become predictable, to not play always exactly the same thing and tweak things for the opposition. Um, the game has to be looked in, 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 in parts. It's a totally different game. Yes, NYCFC started playing well, but I don't buy for one beat the total domination. You play more than 60-something minutes against 10, and you score your second goal on a gift. Yes, a beautiful definition, of course, that he does on purpose because he knows he has the space, no one is on him, he has the wide open net, and he has the talent, of course. I'm not taking the talent away. But the total domination? Yeah, you got the ball because we have 10. You had to have the ball. I'm not going to run over you when I have 10. Some teams so don't play. The, some teams don't play well with ten. I mean, uh, up a man. You know, so you'll see that sometimes. It's 
Correct. Uh, you know, there's it, the man advantage works in mysterious ways in soccer Correct. in games we've watched over the years, right? And uh, that's what. Uh, but so the the grain of salt part, possibly because of that, and the fact that they couldn't come up with the second and third goal or fourth goal, whatever it would have taken, but the fact that they continued to move the ball the way they did for a majority of the match, there was a little period in the first half where it broke down and for whatever reason, they stopped moving off the ball quite as well, but I just haven't seen them despite being up a man. I haven't seen them move the ball like that consistently over a full match and the player movement. And that's why one of the reasons I like that shape, because I thought it was Morales, let him sit at home and, and be the ball winner and then give it to Maxi. And then Maxi, uh, Keaton and, uh, uh, Medina, they were interchanging and th there was just so much good movement in there. So right. that's where, and, you can, and that's, that's where I was encouraged, you know? Right. But that's a progression and you can see that, right? So it's, it's one thing to analyze the process of the team, which you can add this element to that process sure. process. And another thing is analyze the game and say, you know, it's not clear and big win for anyone. No, no. That was their responsibility to win that game, especially when they score early on the game. And then they went a man up for the majority of the rest of the game. That was their obligation, period. They had to do it. Okay, and they did not do it on a big, fantastic fashion. They just barely did it. They just barely did it. Yep. So that's the grain of salt. Yeah. Now, if you play this system, which, by the way, I like it because of the personnel that you have, and because what Roberto said, Medina is playing fantastic. We know that Tati is in a hot straight. Uh, Morales, Maxi is, of course, being himself. He's being helped, so he doesn't need to run and kill himself that much. He can think a little bit more, and he can, you know, time more his runs. But if you're going to play this, and you're going to play Torarinson so high, you don't need him. You need Easy there, or Amundsen. I prefer Easy. if you're going to play that high. If you want to make him come back and then create a line of four in front of your three yeah, yeah. in who, defense, then I want at Munson, right? Who, who, play, who played Shradi at wing back once? Was that Dome? Dome? He played wing back one game. It was Dome. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. Dome. You want him that bad, you know, because. because, because I see you what you're saying. Yeah, what you're saying makes sense. You know, if you're not expecting that player to really defend and recover. And that, in that was manner. my thinking. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm playing now against 10. I don't need that guy. I need this guy, Easy, who is more talented, who's going to cross the ball better, who's going to make diagonals, and we're going to score two goals before the end of the first half. Mm. All right. Worth a thought, man. That's, uh, I like the way you thought about it. And yeah, but it's a very strong game until there 24 minutes to go. Say what? Because Yuri Trotty didn't come into the game until 24 yeah. minutes to go. The sub was made... Uh, was made pretty late. Well, John's point is, as I think, for, if I'm hearing you correctly, John, is pretty shortly after uh, New York City goes a man up, he wants to see Shradi. Of course. Is that that's what you're you, saying, right? Yeah. You're gonna play against ten. You're gonna play against a team that is losing 
and you, you have know, these extra subs now too. You know, when you keep exactly. that in mind now, because we talked about that when uh, the subs were added, uh, when it went up to five, is that now you can do things in the first half. It's not as much of a risk that you used all your substitutions. Who ended up doing uh, Martinez' job, or Brujo Martinez' job when he was uh, sent off for Philadelphia? Who was on the hole? Who was the one sweeping around? Who was the one, you know, making the challenges? Samira Monteiro was doing a lot of that in my eyes. No, that was Bedoya. Who did you see? Bedoya, I mean, Bedoya as well. But, I mean, I saw Monteiro going back a lot. I mean, really a lot. It's too. on the team. Yeah. Uh, the oldest guy on the team is putting the effort. You know? Yeah, that's Bedoya yeah. all so the time. So, me yeah. being the opposition, me being the opposition, I'm going to kill this guy. I mean... <laughs> I'm not going to play safe. Why I'm going to play safe in the third game of the season, having the advantage, having the feel, beautiful feel, by the way, that we know that is to play yes, and having is. the tools. Yeah. Wait, let me ask you guys this. It, uh, John brought it up in his opening statement. Uh, Alfredo his, Morales. Opening, his opening statement. His opening statement. I like it. That's right. It's not that open as Caleb Porter's statement. And everybody, everybody's got it, Tom. You got to tell everybody he's got he's got a freaking uh, statue of Marcelo Bielsa sitting on his water cooler and right, right in in front of him. You have to tweet out a clip of that. But let's let's talk about Morales because we were all excited, Alfredo, to make his start, his first start with New York City FC, and we alluded to it last week on the podcast that we all thought, I think, for the most part, that he would be in the starting lineup. And uh, Glenn, I'll start with you. We'll go around the horn, but it seemed like for the most part, he was playing right in front of that back three, kind of patrolling and, and you know spraying balls and, and defending. What did you make of his debut in the starting role for New York City FC? Well, as I said on the broadcast, he won the ball and got it right to Maxi Morales, and that was the opening goal. You know, I, he, he understands how to play the game. And when you're in that position and you're the ball winner, win the ball, give it to the playmaker, you can you can run up and support it if you want, but uh, you know I and I I really appreciated the way he could uh, move the ball like that. What John? Not only not only reading the game and doing what he does is the presence. I mean, he is standing tall and big in that <laughs> midfield, and he's like, "You're not gonna run through me, buddy." Yeah, <laughs> he's a, it's uh, you know the stats on him are really weird, right? Because we see the impact that he had on the game, and. He has one chance created, which is really not much of his job, but still. He has okay, 72 exactly. touches, 63 passes. He completes 98.4 of them. He has credit for one tackle. He didn't commit any fouls. Or rather, he, didn't, he wasn't fouled, and he committed one foul, and he got yellow carded. Well, he wasn't in a position to have to tackle. I mean, Philadelphia was poor. I mean, they never – and, I, I, you know, he just was not – he didn't have to break anything up because they couldn't complete two passes. Yeah, they, they, they were really bad that way. They, they That's really an, had a hard time completing passes. Right. You call that Their an oriented pressure. 71%. Oriented pressure. He used pressure to get the team away, not to get the tackle and get the 1v1 and win the duel. How many times did New York City win the ball back like almost immediately? Anytime. And, you know, they have the extra man and they had good numbers around the ball. But uh, that passing uh, percentage, the 98%, 99% completion percentage, Roberto, I think is, a, again, is a direct result of he understands what to do after he wins the ball. 
<laughs> Absolutely. As a team, New York City completed 89% of their passes compared to 70, 70, almost 72 for Philadelphia. But that's a big problem. If you look around the, the passing map, you know, most of those passes are in the midfield, not breaking lines, just going one side to right. the other. And that's not the right. way you're going to... That's not the way you're going to break a, a low block, which is what a team with 10 men is going to present to you. Yeah, I, but, I, but I think they did it better than against uh, a Cincinnati, for instance, um, even though Cincinnati never went down to 10 men. As far as moving it from moving it more crisply, I guess is the best way I'd say it, where there were times where they did, you know, and most of the time it was uh, Tinner home getting in. Uh, Morales, Medina, Castellanos, they were all doing some uh, nice things near the top of the box uh, and broke through a couple of times doing it that that way. You know, so uh, to me, there was a variety of wide, mostly wide right, although Goody did have the service on the on the second goal, the insurance goal. Um, and he, he got a couple of other quality services in. But again, he was not as active getting into the attack as Tinnerholm was. You know who's going to be the victim of this shape down the road? Let me see. Well, when Chano comes back in, he'll just exactly. that's, that's he'll just come in for Ibiaga. So I'm thinking, uh, who? What? Ethan Parks. I don't know. You're gonna play Ibiaga, Chanot, Callens, and Sanz is gonna play where Parks played against in uh, Philadelphia. Mm, I don't think so. I think no. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. we'll I, I make, don't think so either. We'll have to make another wager. <laughs> so many wagers on the show. Oh wait, we yeah. gotta go back to our. We have to go back to our wagers. Don't go back to that. You see, Tom no, Holiday, little by little, came to... back to say this is not a super win. <laughs> no, no, but it's nothing to do with it. It's the fact that Glenn and I had a disagreement about how this game was going to be played out and who was going to be in the lineup. We had a fundamental disagreement. Yeah, you said Goody would start. I day, said no. I said uh, Morales would start, and you said no. So there we go. We're even. So there was there were four disagreements, and you won two of them, and I won two of them. All right. Well, we're even then. Yeah, we are even. All right. Well, let's but get I'm another one going. What are we going to bet on this week? It doesn't have to be the lineup. Uh, well, but John, I don't think I don't think Ibiaga, in essence, replaces Parks. I don't think so. Because and part of the reason uh, that when Chino comes back, if they keep with a three back system, is is James Sands. He's the guy you want in the middle of that back three. Who, who do you want? You don't want Chano. You do not want Chano in the middle of the back three. I'm telling you. Who are you putting in the middle, John? You don't want to put Collins. You got the left peg. You want him a little on the left. Right. I just don't so, think. I was, think, I was thinking Ibiaga, but I, I see your point. So no, when you're just saying that Chano comes in for Ibiaga? Yeah, like for like. Yeah. And that's the only yeah. thing. I think everything else. And, and Parks, he, uh, a bit of an uptick in his game. I mean, you know, again, it wasn't flawless, but he was much more involved. He, well, we're going to keep saying they were up a player, so they better keep the ball better. But, I mean, he was much better on the ball. He was. Uh, he, you know. he completed 95% of his passes, 66 touches, created two chances. I, I think mean, passing he, he completion. I think passing completion has to be put to the side in this game, though. Roberto. In this really game, totally. okay. in this yeah, game. I mean, in this we game. understand, but I mean, if you have a low pass completion in a game like this, that doesn't speak well of you. So, I mean, he had a higher percentage than the team average, which was eighty-nine. 
So if you look at it from that perspective, but again, it's a type of passes. We, we, are, we understand the context of it, right? I mean, it's a type of passes that you make. It's, if you're going to, I, I almost prefer that you miss three out of 10 passes, but seven of, but, you know, but five of the seven passes you complete lead to something fantastic. So it always isn't about percentage. We understand that, but just in general terms, just to, oh. just to giving it a little context. Now, Glenn, but, hold on. What we can yeah. agree on right now is yeah. this is not the shape for every game. No, I think so. It's one option depending on the opposition, and it's good to have it. You know what way. shape they need to start working on ahead of Eber returning? I'm telling you that they all, to me, they also have the personnel for four, four, two diamond, the way Philadelphia plays. And then you've got your, you've got your twin strikers, Castellanos and Eber. And Eber. And then your, your diamond, you got Maxi at the top, you got Morales at the bottom of it. And then you, you know, you have this luxury of, well, is, and Medina on one side and who's on the other? Because we're always asking the question anyway, who's on the other? So <laughs> it's whoever is in form or however he's going to rotate that. And then you have Medina in the half space. You have Maxi as the 10, and he can go anywhere he wants. And you have uh, Castellanos and Eber, best friends. And they've never really – they haven't had a long-term chance to play together like to that. To run Again, at it, yeah. I, I'm looking deep into the future, but I think that's another shape that, and system they should, they should kind of work on so that whenever returns, he has that option. Uh, what are they playing he next does. week in Orlando? <laughs> what? What are they playing in Orlando? <laughs> well, it's uh, – no, is it 4-3-2-1? 4-2-3-1. I, I but Orlando could come with a different shape, too. I just think what John is saying, too, I, I think what you were saying earlier, too, is that there's flexibility here. So right. they've gotten to the point maybe now where if they start out at, at a four-back, they can, they can morph into this three-back like they used to do under Toronto. Well, that's a great thing about this team, right? The fact that you don't have to change personnel to be able to change shape, and you can do that drastically. You know, just with basically a snap of your fingers, and they can go to all sorts of different formations without changing uh, anybody from the bench. I, that's one of the, the the type of versatility that this team gives you that not every single team has, and that's something to be appreciated by New York City FC fans, and which should worry NYCFC opponents. You know, I've sprained my fingers so often in my lifetime. I can't snap anymore. You know, where you go, I, I can't like every time I try to really go for it because you know you said with a snap of a finger and uh i for me it wouldn't work that way because i can't snap you're, you're not sandals thankfully no. <laughs> man so in orlando so orlando this is I, I to me this is a very fun match and so if we go back to what you said roberto you said well you know new york city still because you, in your opinion philadelphia wasn't ready for this and then they went down a man that the new york city still has not been tested so now in orlando you would expect this will be a significant test. Uh, uh, Orlando City looked great on the weekend. They really were fun to watch. I mean, and difficult to defend. I mean, they have a they have a lot of personality on that team, John. Oh yeah, they got a lot of options, and uh, especially on the midfield. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, I don't see them changing the shape. I think they're going to keep playing the three, the four, two, three, one. Yeah. I think it fits really well. It gives a lot of space uh, to Nani. Uh, well, I don't know what's going to happen with Pato. That's the, the question. 
I'm not sure he's going to be ready for this one either, but having him is, you know, it makes a little difficult decisions because you have Pereira back, which is your number 10. So he, you know, he, he may have that decision to take. But, um, but, but, but this shade that they play on the weekend is really good. It works for them. It's solid on the midfield. Um, the back four is good for me. The two centre-backs especially are really good. Skelhel, he wants his position because he wasn't a total starter uh, at the end of last season. But uh, he led. and Antonio oh, Carlos... No, go ahead. No, no, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. Um, but my thing is, right, I mean, going, going back to what we were talking about about New York City, about not being tested. Now, it's... In, Orlando played Cincinnati, and yes, they get taken back in goal, but but they don't have Acosta, and he's such an important player for them. And yet, this is a team that scored two goals, and it's you know in the first what twenty minutes of the game against Nashville, and then they got tied by Nashville, they got smoked by New York City, and then they get smoked again by Orlando. How much does this really reveal to us about Orlando, who played without Pato and still won, walking away three nothing, out shooting them by twenty two to seven. Well, it's, if you compare if you compare the two games, New York City at home against Cincinnati and Orlando City at home against Cincinnati, Orlando was handled Cincinnati by far better than New York City. Exactly. I mean, there were, they didn't have a shot on target. Uh, uh, Gillespie didn't make a save, and Sean Johnson had to he he had to pull a couple of them out of his uh, you know where and uh, made four pretty good saves in that match, five total. So it's I, I don't know how much you compare and contrast that, but a lot of times you look at common opponents, right? You, both teams were at home, and you wonder, you wonder. And and in general, I mean, Orlando is a better constructed roster and a solid team with solid uh, game standards and with solid concepts tactically. That of course you don't see in any of the of the oppositions that NYCFC have faced right now. I mean, Philadelphia is a solid team, but you went through you know that send off and uh, and the difficulties that they had to go through. But I think Orlando can be the kind of of test that Philadelphia will be complete in a complete ninety match. 11 against 11. Yeah. Yep. Also, remember, Philadelphia didn't have Elisinho, who got hurt uh, in the previous game. And uh, how important soft, he so. really, really is. I mean, he, he, he comes in for 20 minutes, but it's always an, an important 20 minutes for Philadelphia. He changes games. That's the Red Bulls. Hey, we didn't give uh, you know Martinez enough. Uh, we didn't say anything about Martinez. What a awful, you know, red card that was. And, you know, just... Uh, I, and Jim Curtin even um, was beside himself a little bit disappointed that uh, Danny Higginbottom and JP Della Camera couldn't spit it out. Uh, if you if you listen back to any of that, they just couldn't they couldn't bring it to themselves to say it was obvious. And it was uh, I, I'm just comparing it to Matty Lawrence, who played the game like a Higginbottom and he saw it. And, and, and the thing I would say about Matty is if it was a New York City player or 
a Cincinnati player, he'd say the same thing if he felt they deserved it. And he was like, he didn't hesitate for a moment. And he was very, very critical of Martinez. And, you know, we all can be or not be, but uh, it, it was it was idiotic. It was. So here's a question say. for you, Glenn. Did you notice did you notice the contact live or no. did you notice it on replay? I noticed it on replay. As yeah, a not live. Fact, I just... When we were doing the when we we're doing the play by play and I see Castellanos rolling around, I started counting the times that Castellanos is rolling around, you know, and because he's yeah. known to sometimes exaggerate contact. And then as I'm looking at the replay, I mean, I'm seriously, it took me aback and I was like aghast. And I was like, oh, my God, what the heck was this? And, you know, apologize to Castellanos and then immediately said, oh, my God, this is a card. This is, you know, this has to be a red card. And, you know, credit VAR, credit Ismael Elfat with immediately going over. And uh, I don't I don't remember who's in charge of VAR. Uh, do I have it here? Is uh, Guido, uh, Guido, Guido Gonzalez. Yeah. OK, I mean, credit to them that they immediately saw that alerted went and it was a quick decision no hesitancy no that was no nothing it, it came right back and well that was my point was it, it, was, it was obvious you know it was a, it was obvi obvious it was horrible it's a karate chop to his face as he's going down it, it's not an accident it's purposeful it's meant to hurt i don't know why he did it there's no reason for that we know that martinez can be a hothead he comes in with that reputation but also as, as far as the stats that I looked up, okay, and that I try to find, that is the first red card in his career, and maybe John can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I looked that up, and I went all the way through, and that is the first red card in his career. But th this, um, this merits a further suspension than just one game for that red card. It's a horrible play, and it, it, it has to be, the league has to be forceful about this is not permissible, you can't do this and make an exemplary uh, you know, punishment of, for him. I think of uh, Tati Cassianos is certainly that kind of player that can get under your skin a bit, you know, and uh, I think, you know, he, Martinez was just pissed off at him for some reason. I don't even know at why. 15 minutes? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, what you guys point out, but it was a terrible foul, and to put your team in that position to have to play down a man for 75 minutes, I well, mean. that's just it. That, that's, that's the just, worst that, part. That's just it. You know, it's um, it's foolish. How old is Martinez? Is he, is he are we forgiving him for his age or not? I don't even know how old he is. No, no. I mean, know? he's young. No, no, no. He's young, okay. but he's not a teenager or anything. Yeah. yeah. And he's experienced at the game. He's yeah. an international player. He's played for the national team. He played the big tournaments in South America. So it happens. I mean, the guy uh, plays always on the edge in terms of sure. he's strong. He goes with everything to every 1v1, but he's not bad intention player. He's not a bad intention player. He's, he's not, you know. But All right, we'll call it temporary just, insanity then. Yeah, it's just, he's yeah, not a dirty just, player. He's got, no, he, that's his first red card. Yeah. It just happened. He lost just his happened. head. It just happened. The good thing is that he actually did not, you know, Argue it. Create any kind of damage on yeah. on, on Tati Castellano. Not oh, only that because too. oh that too, yeah. Not because he, you know, he NYCFC need him or because he's the top scorer right now for the team or whatever. But his face, I mean, his head, the person itself could be in in perish that there. Mm -hmm. But you know, it didn't happen. Yeah. So yeah, that's the good side of it. Yeah. Well, it put his uh, team in a, in a really difficult spot. Bedoya called him out after the match, uh, and that's the captain. So 
uh, I, you know, it's good that the captain would say something because Bedoya was so gassed. You know, whenever he, I know he came out of the game at some point subbed, and he was he was knackered, and he and you pointed it out, John. He rotated in there and was running his brains out the whole match. Of course. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's totally unnecessary in in any way and angle that you can look at it. So the matchups that I let me let me bring it up here because I I think there's some pretty uh, good potential matchups here to to focus on. You know, one to me was Tinner Home versus Nani. Now that's going to be pretty good over there because with you know and then and then you've got Huan on the other side against is it Goody? You know who's you know who's gonna who's gonna patrol that and be responsible for Huan or whoever that, that left. Please. You know it's um, and and that's. That's where you you wonder whether it'll be back to that four two three one shape because you know they've got to contain that guy Huan. He is <laughs> he is dynamite. I know, and then you know? and then he he has I guess that that he will play with with Chris Mueller there too. Yeah, yeah. So and Mueller he, is no, he's so a he's, machine too. I mean, he's a strong, fast. You know. No, so, you're right. That 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 twosome. And that when they combo, get when they yeah. get in an overload or two versus two situation, boy, they're yeah, that that they're they're fun to watch. And and look, Mueller's had good games against New York City FC, so uh, he, he's a good one. And then I also had Medina versus Smith, because um, I thought one thing I noticed about Smith in this game, you know, I haven't watched him like a lot, uh, but he certainly does a lot of. Uh, he does a lot of dribbling out of the back or trying to take players on when it appears that maybe there's no cover defender. It's just one versus one. And uh, he had the ball poked away a couple of times. And I think there were some big chances for FC Cincinnati. So uh, Medina, he's a, he's a decent tackler of the ball, uh, especially in his Ronnie Dyla resurgence on the defensive (laughs) side, you know? Yeah. I think that pocket between, you know, that, in, in, in that space, that interval around Mendes, Skelho, and Smith, that's something that NYCFC can explode a lot, especially if in in combination with short passes with Medina and Maxi, for example, uh, and Tati coming down a little bit in help because Tati can come in, be part of the build-up, and then you know run to the as a third man to to the box. Trying to get a scale hall out, push that play as much as you can to the wide behind yeah, Nani, yes. making a scale hall to run out there. That space is for Tati to attack. And if you get a scale hall out, he is not the fastest guy to come back to his position. He's really good in the 1v1 right there in his spot. But if you get him out, then you got the space. Now, the other reason that it would be a good idea to play three at the back against Orlando is that they get a lot of service between Nani and Mueller. They're putting a lot of balls in. I don't know. I could look it up real quick. What they had last week, just for, for the fun of it. Um, uh, it'll but take you, me a but moment. But, three, but, and, and then, so if you have those three services? center, so if you have those three center backs in there to help, you know, win the air game, cause that mm-hmm. ball is being flighted in quite a bit. Let's see. Uh, open play crosses, 17. That's not an inordinate amount. If it's in the 20s, then it's starting to get pretty high. So, well, maybe I misread that. But, but let me ask you this, Glenn and, and John. Um, when you're looking at 
Juwan and Chris Miller coming down at you on the right side, okay? Do you really want Thoraronson just trying to face no. that all game long? No. I don't know who no. well no you don't, but well, well that's why I'm thinking that maybe, you know, you you're gonna you're gonna change the shape again and you're gonna go back to and you're gonna go to four in the back so you have somebody in front of you who's gonna be el- who's gonna be helping out. Or does he finally make a change and he puts Osmondson in to start the game? Because he because he doesn't have the pace to be able to keep up with uh, with Muller or Ryan or Juan. I mean, he doesn't. So that that's going to be an issue. And if I'm if I'm Orlando, I'm looking to exploit that. I mean that that's that's an area where I'm targeting where I'm going to try and go offensively. But I think they do that anyway. <laughs> In every match they play. No West. I mean, yeah. we know Nani, Nani is on the weak side, and he's so good at just drifting and finding, you know, where the game should be. So that's why oftentimes you just see him peeled towards the, at, at the opposite touchline. He lets all those guys play, and then next thing you know, the ball's <laughs> sent over diagonally to him, and then he's got his 1v1 to go, you know? And I, yeah. I, I think they lean to the right and then go to the left when it's necessary. Right. Depending on the opposition, they ended up playing kind of a 4-2-2-2. Two, two, two. Mm. So Pereira, yeah. Both exactly. teams are both teams are tough to defend. I, I think I right think, now both teams yeah. are tough to defend. But uh, Orlando City's been—they don't concede. Why is that, John? Is it the keeper? Is it the back? Yeah, the two, right. the, I mean, the, right now the two center backs are a really good pairing. You know. Antonio Carlos and 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 Escalha are working really good together. It's a really good pair. But Galese is one of the best keepers in the league. Period. Don't even think yes. about it. And New York City knows that because I remember him from the playoffs. Because if it wasn't for him, New York City would have won that game in ninety minutes almost easily. But he kept uh, he kept them in. I mean, the the save that he made on Parks, all all the other saves that he made. I mean, he was just he was a man of the match, and it wasn't even close. So you're going to have three guys with Peruvian blood on the field. Yes. Two on New York City and uh, one on Orlando. That is correct. Although one of the Peruvian guys doesn't speak Spanish, but hey, it's okay. He's, he's not Peruvian. <laughs> That's why I said Peruvian blood. Yeah, Peruvian blood, yes. Which guy are you talking about? I, I'm... Alfredo Morales. Alfredo. Oh, Morales. Okay. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, my God. And having two Morales on the team is a pain in the neck to call on radio. Oh, every so, oh, I have to go back every time and correct oh. myself. Every go, Roberto, everyone, there's oh, tears. I can, there's tears against the podcast frame. I can, I can feel it. Everyone's so sad for you, Roberto. Holy yes, smokes. they're very sad. Yes, absolutely. They should be. I was trying to do the Morales Morales. <laughs> hey, listen. No difference. What if I get permission from those two to say it that way? What do you say? Then? Alfredo and Maxi, period. Let's call them Alfredo yeah. and Maxi. Well, I know, but then you're you sound like a homer when you when you do that. Morales uh, and you don't, you don't have to call them Alfie. You know, you don't have to call them Alfie, <laughs> Maxi and Alfie. <laughs> You just slip in the first. It's really. Big. I have a feeling nobody hard. calls Alfredo Morales Alfie. I just have this sense that nobody calls him Alfie. No, <laughs> you could be the first. <laughs> yeah. You could try that out. No, yeah. well, I'll do it on a Zoom call. I, mean, I won't do it face to face. Hey, let's go around the league for a second, guys, because now week three in the books. I know we're going to talk Concacaf Champions League in a minute, but John, let me start with you. Just maybe some early surprises or storylines as we look at MLS so far. Maybe the start for Austin. 
New England playing well. Seattle had a dominant win over the Galaxy last night. What teams or, or what games have stood out to you early on here in the season? I mean, I love the way that uh, Austin began his season, th their season, not on, I mean, not because they won two in a row, uh, but because of how they are showing really good concepts. They put in on the field a lot of tactical mobility. They are really good. I mean, you see them and it's like every sequence is long possessions. Their goals come with a prior, you know, 10, 12 passes. Uh, even if you have some breakouts there because of, a, you know, throw-in or whatever, but they keep building out of that. So that's, that's fantastic for me on a team that is for the first time playing together. I mean, I think I mentioned the other day how they made connections between players before getting them on the roster. But still, I mean, those guys playing together under that philosophy is totally new for them. And, and they're doing really, really good. It's a really good team right now and the way they play. Let's and see what happens. I, it has to be mentioned they're doing it on the road, and they got four more road games before they even play at home. So right, seven total. Yep. Yeah. So that's uh, and Brad Stuver in goal. I mean, come on, man. Yes. That's that's excellent. That's excellent. How yes. good is he doing with his feet? It's yeah, fantastic. yeah. I, he's always been good with his feet. You know, I he's not a. You know, he just he he's never really gotten the opportunity to be a full time keeper in the league, and I mean he's. Getting he's it. He's getting his chance with an expansion team. So let's see how it goes. He's better than the last time that I saw him out of Austin with his feet. I mean, he was, you know, he was average, but he's good right now. I mean, I, I get, well, you know, the thing it is, when, the when you thing. hang out, it goes with confidence and, and repetition and, and the self, you know, but he's played in Corpus. systems at New York city. That was totally built, built through the keeper, all the coaches that right. he had that that's the way exactly. they wanted to play. Exactly. The funny thing with him is that when he went to uh, to Austin, he told me, we had a couple of conversations, and he told me, yeah, I'm going to go there and I'm going to be the starter. And I, I had asked him, I said, are you, you going to be a starter there or do you think you're going to wind up being back? He goes, no, 100%, I'm going to be a starter. And then throughout the preseason, everything I read said, Andrew Tarbell is a starter and he's going to be in the backup. He's going to be in the backup. And of course, wasn't the case. It's been him all the way. And he's been very, very good for them. And I'm really happy for him. And guy who works his butt off. I'm not saying that nobody else does, mind you. I'm not saying that. But he deserved an opportunity. He took the opportunity by the horns. And it's so far, so good. He's succeeding. And I wish him nothing but the best. I'm really happy for Brad. Yeah, he's doing an awesome day. Um, Seattle is I like Seattle. as, as he can be. That game, I, I stayed up and watched that game last night. I don't always do that uh, for the late game. And that wasn't even the late, late game. Anybody watch Vancouver? I did. <laughs> Me. Oh, I, I, saw, I, saw the, I saw the end of it. I, after the L.A. game, I did see the end of it. Okay. I watched okay. them both. Well, good and for I you saw guys. Diego Rubio's goal, which is a real beautiful goal. That's a good goal. Oh, my God. I, did I he saw, hit that? Yeah. yeah, he hit that well. And then there was a controversial point, uh, the penalty that was given. And then the funny thing about the penalty is that it's given, and the referee is looking exactly at the spot. He's looking right at it, and he gives the penalty. And then I think Alan Chapman, I think, was the uh, the guy in charge of VAR, and he calls Bartolomeo Toledo, and he goes, uh, you really need to go see this. And then he goes and he sees it, and he comes back, and, and then you see that it's not really a penalty. I thought they did a good job on that. 
and they took it yep. away. So again, VAR working very well. Happy with that. Yep. I, I thought that was the right decision. But the pace of that Seattle uh, Galaxy game really enjoyed. You know, I mean, uh, I know the Galaxy didn't, uh, you know, couldn't produce on the night, and Seattle was, <sighs> I. And what, I, you know, the uh, who's on that broadcast? Was it strong? And uh, it was John uh, Strong. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Why were they, I, you know, and it, sometimes I miss things. But why, why was Seattle such an underdog coming into the season? I don't get it because Jordan Morris wasn't in the roster. I, I don't get it. it could, yeah, because Morris is not on the roster because Lodeiro started the season injured. Right. And because everybody has this thing in which they believe that Seattle starts the season always slow. Oh, okay. So well, last year they did. I guess they often they often do. I guess, but yeah, yeah. but they they did like they had like a couple of years in a row where that happened, and then they finished very strong and obviously made the finals. But uh, last year they didn't start the slow, and they made exactly. the finals, and they just lost to Columbus. And uh, this year, yeah, Morris is out. But, you know, there's a lot of quality, you know. Uh, Ruiz Diaz is <laughs> to be there. honest, they don't need it yeah, right there's now. There's a lot of guys, huh? <laughs> to be honest, they don't need him right now. <laughs> anyway, and as far as the Galaxy is concerned, I mean, that was a measuring stick for them. And, yes, they miss uh, Leggett. He, I think he's an important player for them, and he, and he wasn't available. And now the Galaxy got to measure themselves up against one of the better teams in the league. And now they now Greg Vanny, I think, may have a little bit of a better understanding of what his team can do, what he can't, what they can't do. Um, and then the players that might be coming in, how much they're going to help and all that. But the one thing that Seattle did a very good job with was was prohibiting service to Chicharito. I mean, they just cut everything off. And I was watching Chicharito running. Uh, and I posted this yesterday on Twitter, running and trying to find spaces and trying to, to get himself open. All game long, the effort that he put in, and there was nothing that he could do that could get him into position to find a ball except for one, and then it was Nuhu who got there just at the nick of time and uh, avoided the shot. But uh, I'm happy for Chicharito. I think that he showed well, and it's going to bode well for him for the rest of the season. So uh, we'll see. Uh, it's John is uh, no, they Marcelo Bielsa's hair here. They defended him well, but I watched him closely off the ball as much as you can on TV, and he he did a lot, and he got himself open a lot, I thought, where the ball wasn't delivered, and it wasn't due to the pressure on the ball. It was due to the recognition. So I think in, in whatever way, uh, his Galaxy teammates are still trying to figure out this guy who I think is thinking two or three plays ahead, and they, uh, they can't get there. You know, I, That's just the way I saw it last night. No, John? No. no, for one reason. Because Vani decided, and I'm not agreeing that the game was a mystery for the Galaxy for this same reason. Instead of doing what he was doing, what the team was doing prior to this game in the two games before, he decided to tweak and change things. So when you're playing something different, then the measure stick is not there anymore because you're trying something new, correct? And maybe you can do it because at the beginning of the season, because it's uh, the beginning of that process, because you need players to get some minutes and understand that you're going to take a look at them and you're going to give them the opportunity uh, and because you're still waiting for players to come in into your roster. Mm. So in that sense, you throw out that uh, idea of measuring yourself 
because you're not doing exactly the same things. You're not doing your, right, game. And he recognized that he made a mistake. This, he set out the, game, the team in the wrong way at the end of the day for Seattle. And the, the good part here is that reading between the lines, one of the biggest mistakes that he did was putting Efrain Alvarez in. Well, he was uh, one of three guys we subbed out at halftime. Right. He, he subbed not, out uh, he did not Williams, Alvarez, and right. uh, Granzier. Right. Oh, no, O'Neill Fisher. O'Neill Fisher. Fisher, yeah. later. But this, this, this is what he did new. So Williams was playing for the first time. That was his debut. Right. In the, in, in the back four. And he's pairing with the stairs. And in front of those, those two center backs, with one that is debuting, he set up one guy, Jonathan Dos Santos. Because he set up Efrain Alvarez by his side with the idea of having a talented kid that can turn around quick and use his left foot to open channels and break lines, right? But at the same time, when you're thinking about that and you're thinking about that player, you're losing any capability of pressuring the ball, winning duels, and recovering, okay? Because it's not in his blood. He doesn't do that. Right. So basically, Jonathan Dos Santos is doing all the work there. And by the way, he played a fantastic game. I don't care the scoreline. I don't care how the team looked like. Jonathan played a beautiful game on his position and his responsibilities. And then the other mistake or the other thing that he did knew was pushing Araujo way, way high, playing on yeah. that line of three behind Chicharito. Mm-hmm. And Araujo was like caught in the middle. He wasn't sure when to come back and help to defend. He wasn't sure when, when to stay high. His services wasn't good at all. And he actually played better when he went back to the line of four as a fullback. Yeah, he's more comfortable there, no doubt. Right. So now the other thing is he had to uh, replace Victor Vasquez because of an injury. I think, for the look of it, that that has to be without Pubalgia, Roberto. I don't know how do you say that in English, to be honest. What was the word? Pubalgia. Nah, I ain't going there. <laughs> All right. So, Glenn, is that pain on the high part of your leg when the leg connects with your hip? Uh, a hip pointer? Uh, it can, can, can be. Yeah. It can be. But that is the kind of pain that he signaled and that, I, that he saw the way he was walking. And that is, that is complicated. It's tricky. Because the problem with that injury is that you can feel fine. You can run fine. And when you struck the ball, you feel the pain. Right. So it's like you're not secure until you actually do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you can also the turf. I'm sure it doesn't help. Oh, probably not. Not only the turf. I mean, we have to commend these players, to be honest, for having this type of season. These guys in a game like that one, 
between Seattle and LA Galaxy, and this is not kind of excuse, but it's the conditions that are playing with. You wake up early in the morning, you go to the training facility, you breakfast, you have a little uh, meeting, you ride the bus to the airport, you get on the plane, you get down the plane, get on a bus, you get to the hotel, you eat, you take a shower, you go to the game, you play the game, you take a shower, you go back on the bus, you get back on the plane, you get home in the middle of the night of the next day. <laughs> Sounds like fun. It's painful for the body. It's hard. Yeah. You're spending tons of hours sitting, playing bus, right? Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. It takes a toll. It takes a toll. All right. Well, that's life in uh, COVID. Mass. Yeah. It uh, is life in COVID because yeah. in, under no, it still is. Yeah. This is you're flying in the day before. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right. Well, Matias right. Almeida said it. I mean, we couldn't play. He talking, right? San Jose Earthquakes. We couldn't play any kind of preseason game because of the COVID. Because we got them all scheduled, and then something happened. The other team couldn't do it. The you know the travel couldn't be agreed on. And we didn't play anything. And now we're doing that on competition. We're playing yeah. the season and we got to do everything that we couldn't do on those friendly games now during competition. And it's hard to do that because you still care about the points, but you need to build out your process. Well, you hear a lot of coaches talking about uh, their athletes not being 100% fit yet, too. I mean, you know, it's just, <laughs> it's been awkward. Not even good there to DC United. <laughs> Losada oh said after the game, I told you guys when I got here that these guys were totally unfit and there were nobody taking care of what happened during that long off season. So those guys were out there doing I don't know what, nobody paying attention, no program, no nothing. Okay? And now we're dealing with that. And we have 10 players injured, and we're doing our best. And he went game by game and showed, you know, we play against New York City FC, and they're better, supposedly, on paper. And we lost, yes, but we compete really well. Same thing with New England. New England just won against Atlanta United, one of the best teams. And we, you know, compete there. So we're doing our best. And I'm not changing a bit my training program or my requirements. Every department on this okay. United has to change to us, not us to them. Well, I'm being hired to do... He, hold, he's on, have... this closing, hold on, this closing <laughs> thing is fantastic. I was... I think I was hired to change things and not to keep doing the things the same way that has been done by, for 10 years. Well, I, he's going to be uh, he better he better keep the uh, Loudon United players on call because he's just going to be running through his first team players are going to be out with all kinds of little injuries. And uh, we're going to see Loudon United uh, as part of the D.C. United. Yeah. You know, the thing I thought of, John, that uh, if that's the case, if if his team was unfit because they didn't have any sort just because there was no coach, these guys weren't on any sort of plan. Well, shame on someone at DC United for not mandating something. I mean, sporting director, well, he said yeah, it. you he have said to have it. somebody. You have yeah. a team with a long establish. Nobody paying attention to it. He said it. 
Yeah. Clear. Clear and loud. Well. Well, speaking of staying fit, we do have some CONCACAF Champions League games this week. Glenn, which game are you most interested in taking in? Anytime you get a chance to see Monterey play. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think of who we feel might have the best chance to, uh, to pull something out. Columbus one half Celarayan. Yeah, well, that's not right. Good. He's too yellow, so he's out. They're going to miss him. And this is a team that is having a whole bunch of trouble scoring goals. And they need to score goals on the road. Either they have to win or they've got to tie 3-3. So um, that, they're, in, they're in bad shape. But, you know, uh, stranger things have happened. The one that I'm looking forward to the most, I mean, to me, it was easy. You didn't even mention it. Portland America. Oh, my God. The way that game ended with all the controversy and that penalty that uh, Portland got. And was it a penalty? Was it not a penalty? Uh, All the fans in Mexico. Oh, my timeline was so sweet by America fans. Uh, My ears are burning. But uh, it was it was crazy because. John, uh, we haven't gotten a chance really to talk about that. Did you think that that was a penalty? I mean, to me, it could have gone either way. And maybe that's you might somebody might think that's a cop out, but I think that there are areas in gray, and I've held this position before that you can look at things from different points of view. And I've seen worse contact not called, and I've seen softer contact called. In this case, there is contact, and it to me, it's a referee's decision if the guy he thinks is embellishing it at some point or not. We also see the ball bounce off his knee and then hit his hands. Does it hit it more than once? And that's why they decided to call the penalty. There's a lot of controversy in all of this. Maybe to me it's controversial. Maybe to other people it's not controversial at all. But uh, it sets up a, a magnificent return leg in Estadio Azteca this week. It was, it's going to be a good game, that one. I don't get into referees' calls because I I always think, especially when it's that you know, part of the game, if you if you really want to win that game, score first. Score before. You have 89 minutes to finish the game. So don't blame it on one play. Yep. Take advantage of your, you know, whatever you can control. Do it. As much as I've... Doubt- John, that's a perfect way to look at officiating. And even though as coaches, we we get agitated at the referee and um, and I can't tell you how many times I've told teams that after a match, don't blame the referee. You had just what you said. What, what about the 85 minutes? And by the way, you hit it over the bar. You shanked it off the uh, corner flag. And so you made a mistake. Maybe there was a mistake, but were you perfect in this match? And you had all this time to, to control it. Absolutely. And that's why it's overstated. And I, I'll have to tell you, I, you know, people get referees get blamed for losing games for teams. I don't see it because of that. Because of that, a referee doesn't lose a game for somebody. Because of that. That's why I don't engage with fans on social media. Because fans always have the reason, and it's okay. That's why they're fans. They're good. Yeah. Well, fans comes from the word fanatic, which is a more than just your average uh, interested observer of such an event. And uh, in, in this case, it, 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 is, uh, it is fanatism that, uh, that streaks through here, and especially in Mexico when it comes to U.S.-Mexico rivalries. 
that that always uh, that always happens. But I'm very interested in that game, and I, and I love your perspective on this because I think that that's a type of perspective that the fans in Mexico don't get. And this is one of the reasons anywhere, why this podcast anyway, fan is a fan. But, Right. But I mean, I'm talking about how the media interprets this and how the media talks about this. And it's important because fans have their opinions, but a lot of their opinions are shaped by things that they hear. And when they hear the same things repeated and repeated over and over again, how this game was stolen by the referee, they start repeating that. And so when they hear, hopefully, you know, opinions that are different, that I come from a respected coach and a respected journalist such as yourself, where they're saying, hey, you had 89 minutes to do something else. You shouldn't have been in that position to, to, to allow that game to be tied. And so Those kind of media won't do that, Roberto. Exactly. Those but this is why, this, this, is why this gets shared. Right. But this is why it's important that this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to share this on my timelines for fans in Mexico, for those who are bilingual and understand English. And, we're, and I want to let them hear this because I think it's important for them to hear this instead of the same other word, can't find it, bullshit that they hear over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the horrible narratives that people have. And it's time for them to hear something new. That's the whole point of having the Internet. This is where nobody's insulated anymore. Everything's worldwide. And so let's expose people to not only different point of views, and I'm going to say it here because I believe it, better point of view. And that's what you guys have offered. And I want people to hear this. And Roberto, the Jim Acosta of the Soccer in the City podcast, using the BS word. The, yeah, the, uh, and it's sort of like, uh, Roberto, I, when, you, when you talked about how these people are fed the, fed the lie, fed the lie, fed the lie, it really reminded me of uh, our uh, recent uh, – <laughs> national presidential election here in the United yes. States of America. But uh, anyway, but it is it, it that, that there's a similar thing to what you said and what that was, too. But uh, anybody given, I didn't even uh, think of it in that context, but you're right. Anybody giving Atlanta a chance at Philadelphia? No, no. <laughs> you know what? Why not? Why not? Though? Has- All right, let's go. Of course, you're going to give them a chance. But gee whiz, gee whiz. And our, our and Atlanta's missing. How many Barco. players? Mm-hmm. Barco. Well, Barco number. There you go. That's one start. But who? But there are others. They're missing three yes. or four starters. Are they not? Am I? Yeah. Do I have that right? Three. Three. Okay. But the most important and, in that quest of you know getting up that hill is Barco because he's playing fantastic and because he's very important for that uh, system right now of Hense. So. And, and if you look at the game against Philadelphia, Atlanta play a really good game. Mm-hmm. And they have a good understanding of what they were doing. And they had chances. Yeah. And they yeah. got domination. And they moved the ball. And they, you know, but they, they couldn't finish because they're in a really tough position right now in terms of attacking. I mean, uh, Joseph Martinez is just coming back from a long injury. Right. And it's only, you know... Only uh, sense makes sense that he is just getting little by little to a point in which he can feel it and he can, you know, start to get his rhythm. So you're not going to spare two goals out of him every game. He may have, a, you know, the game of his night, but 
for Atlanta United right now, the most important thing with Joseph is, one, that he can have minutes so he can keep growing, and two, that he is still healthy, that he is not going to push himself too much to put himself on danger just because he wants to score. And then if you don't go there, you go with Licha Lopez, who came in from Argentina to provide a little bit of depth on that position, he lost his father. So he was, he's now with the team. I don't know if he came back already. I'm not sure. But still, I mean, it's a situation in which you don't have that guy 100%, right? Right. And the other one is Cubo Torres, who did not produce for the last 10 years. So, yes. <laughs> he hasn't. He just, he just, he's been an absolute disappointment every place he's been, pretty much. I think only in Chivas USA did he play well. And that might have been for one year, and he's been living off that ever since. The one thing a little I'll bit say, of Houston I, when he came back. Yeah, with, a little bit there. Wilmer Cabrera, yeah. The, um, I think you're going to see a very different Philadelphia than you saw against New York City FC. I think you'll see a team that uh, a lot more focused uh, and than, than what we saw on Saturday. Now, obviously, they're playing at home. Andre Blake was the biggest difference in that game. Shizvilko had two goals, but Andre Blake had seven saves. And he was outstanding, and he kept the team in that early for, for them to be able to win it in the second half on counterattacks. I, I think Philadelphia I is going to be erase, in good shape. You know, I don't erase the whole thing on, on Atlanta, to be honest. Just because right. Heinze is so pushy and so focused on getting teams forward that, you know, you never know. I mean, one goal five minutes into the game, it just, yep. as a Philadelphia, you start tremble right so you know yeah, if it's three, a it even if it's chaos. three one at the half three one at the half if it's three it one at the half chaos. yeah it creates chaos i mean i will with barco i will have that a real shot at it to be honest now no dam no barco i don't remember who else is not in uh i'm not sure lopez so it's a real hard task but, but and boys, philadelphia's they, missing players too Philadelphia Martinez is out because he's got uh, two yellow cards, so he's gone. And then right. you don't have um, uh, Il Senior, who is so important for them in turning games around. I mean, he, he is. He's a spark plug for them. But they're not going to need uh, to come they'll from have behind. They'll from the start, and that will help. They won't have to come from behind in this match, you wouldn't think. Exactly. Uh, at any yeah, point. but they need to play really smart. I mean, he's... But El Senior's not a hold-the-lead guy. He's a down-a-gold guy. He's a guy who you want on the field who's going to create goals. So if you're either trying to hold one, if you're trying to hold the lead, he'll expand it. If you're, you know, he'll do something that's right. special. He'll win you a free kick. He'll keep the ball. He'll, he'll do a lot of things. They'll miss him. I mean, he's a special player. He's a special player in this league. One of my favorite well, players to watch in this league. That's why I told you guys after the first round, the round of 16, I mean, the MLS teams are only doing what they have to do, period. Because there comes this. And this is mayhem. I mean, <laughs> you, we know what happened here. And, and, you know, pretty much as every chance that MLS ends up only with Philadelphia at the other side of this legs. Yeah. Well, if that's the probability. And, but, you know, from and MLS fans' point of view, you would hope that either America or Columbus, not America, that either Portland or Columbus can find a way of uh, doing something. They're not in terrible position, mind you. And remember, America beat, um, beat uh, what is it, uh, Olympia of Honduras 2-1 to one in Honduras 
And then they came back to Mexico City and Honduras, Olympia beat uh, America one nothing in the return match. And America won because they had two, because they had, uh, two away goals. That's the how only reason they went through. How many so, times I mean, do you think they can't lose? How many times do you think Gio Savarese watched that game? I'm sure Gio watched that one and a lot more. Gio, I mean, probably three times. Coach, look, every coach that has a game in the Champions League was putting homework together for that game and not as much for this game. Portland got smoked by Dallas. Columbus uh, didn't score and tie. Atlanta didn't do well. They lost. Philadelphia lost. I mean, all these teams basically said, we're concentrating midweek. Especially Portland. Yeah. The, look at the study 11 of Portland. Oh, yeah. It was it's, all like second team. It's all way T2. <laughs> all the Except way. Except for Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, awesome. He didn't care about the result, and it, it's understandable. No. And at the same time, he got a lot of players some extra minutes that might wind up helping him down the road. Yeah. When you get seven teams qualifying per, per side, you know, it helps. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, you guys got me pumped for that one. What time? Are, That's going to be great. 10.15 on Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay. A lot of coffee. FS1. All right, I'll, I'm going to... I'm going to do it because I get back from training it at, at uh, I get back from training at 10 o'clock. So I'll be up. Yep. So you're not, not, you're not watching game. Monterrey I mean, Columbus. I won't oh, be able I'm to watch Monterrey Columbus. That. Well, I can't. I'll, I'll be I'll be working on uh, our uh, our shape of the attack uh, as we got pummeled over the weekend. So uh, we're uh, gave up the ball in some real bad spots, John. So. We uh, uh, we have I to work talk about that. It was upsetting. Well, hold on. Let me give you. Let, let me oh, give you no, I'm, I'm, schedule, I'm, okay? I'm depressed. But go ahead. <laughs> OK, so Philadelphia Atlanta is the first game on Tuesday. Uh, that's going to be at eight o'clock on FS1 and on today. Cruz Azul against Toronto follows. That's at 1015. And that's FS1 and today. Monterrey and Columbus Wednesday, 8 p.m. FS2. FS2 and to the N, and then America Portland at 10:15. FS1 and to the N, and it's also on radio on to the N radio. So if you guys need to listen to it on radio someplace, hey, listen. I don't know Spanish. Everybody should listen to all games on the radio. All soccer games should be uh, listened to on the radio, even or if like not TV. Or, <laughs> or like me, just turn down the volume and just watch it. That's right. That's right, John. Listen. Toronto can make the Cruz Azuliada or can finish losing 5 nothing or 5-1. That's a wide open game mm. in terms of the game itself. I'm not saying, you know, the, the, the legs, the, 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 um, the, yeah, the matchup, but that game is going to be wide open. Cruz Azul needs to go out and kill that game because they had this especially their fans, <laughs> they had this course on them that on, on real important moments, they always lose it, having the hand on games, on important games. So they need to go and kill that idea. And that's something that Toronto may take advantage of. Hey, so so it's, a, it's a game that they may score and then just keep, keep on scoring and pound Toronto to the ground or the other way. So my new favorite oh. player in the league, uh, the five foot two Soteldo. Do I have that right this time? 
Soteldo. Yes, sir. Okay. Jefferson Soteldo. So he, uh, I, I followed you. You were obviously on uh, the horn with, uh, with uh, Chris Armas today during his media session. So he said yeah. he's not available. He's still in quarantine for that match. He's but in did you did you say he it will possibly be available for Red Bull on the weekend? That is the idea. I actually asked him that question to Chris Armas. And he uh, said that. Did you guys? Your, your idea is to have him for Red Bulls in New Jersey, or it makes more sense to hold him back a little bit and have him for Columbus in Florida. And he said, no, our idea is to have him for Red Bulls. Hopefully we can finish everything that we need to finish and everything that is need to be done so he can be available. But our idea is to have him in New Jersey with us to face Red do they have a midweek match before they play New York City FC with Columbus? Is that what you just said? Yes. Oh, yes. wow. That's interesting. Because New York City is all, uh, New York City's in that one game a week right now. So, uh, yeah, oh, that, that plays into New York City uh, got Philadelphia with less rest, and now they're going to get uh, TFC with less rest and coming Did off a match see- with Columbus. Wow. Did you see the report from uh, MLS that uh, Kamar Lawrence is on his way from Anderlecht to Toronto? If it is from MLS, the website is not a report. Yeah, yeah it's, it's an, happened. Already. It's an early confirmation. Yeah, that's pretty exactly. So uh, they're, they're getting Kamar Lawrence. Well, you should give the Played athletic boys. You should give the athletic boys. Anderlecht. You should give the athletic boys the nod on that. They had it first. Stay oh, did that they? was a report. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually MLS write reports out of reports from something someone else or something else. Yeah, Stace Goal and there were a couple of I just and remember saying, putting it out. Yeah. And Joshua uh, Cloakey. Okay. Correct. All right. Credit to the boys from uh, the Athletic who do a great job. I subscribe. Me too. I am too. I love I love my boy Felipe Cardenas because he is the one who has Hainse answering tactical questions up and down. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to be on those calls, but sometimes they interchange. Sometimes the team sends the information to certain people and not to everybody, whatever it is. But anyways, but Felipe is awesome. Those tactical questions. He knows I love them and he does it because he knows the game a lot. So I had, I'm not remembering the guy now on my Sirius XM show. I had a, uh, I had an athletic reporter who does a lot of tactical stuff. I haven't seen his byline in a while and I can't remember his name, but he was good. He you Great know, story. just one of these guys that, you know, didn't play the game. Just, you know, is very aware of the game and, uh, and, and can, can track these things. It was fun. Anyway. Can't All right. Name. Let's uh, right. bring it back Boys. to New York city. And Orlando, we'll go around the room. You can mention where to, people can follow you and give us a thought or final thought or two about uh, this upcoming game. Glenn, start with you. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, for New York City, it, it is uh, a place where they've had heartache. And I do believe that um, it, that'll uh, increase the special nature of this match. And I think you have two teams that uh, in their previous match looked very, very good. We know New York City looked very good playing a man up for a majority of the match. Can they uh, they're, they're going to a different environment. I, I don't I, I think sometimes it's overplayed the climate, but uh, 
not always. And the way Ronnie Dyla wants his team to play and how hard they work during a match when they're, when they're on, uh, y- you wonder. And, uh, one, uh, and this is Roberto's criticism of Ronnie Dyla generally is that the substitutions uh, are made a, a little bit too, uh, too much in a tardy manner. So I think how those uh, five uh, substitutes are used at Orlando and who's available and how they start, uh, it's, uh, I, I, I really like the, uh, I think it's a bit of an intrigue uh, in this match in the early part of the season when uh, you're going to need everybody plus five. I hope that's the way it works out. And uh, I'm at Glenn Crooks and uh, listen to my podcast on frame. I do two podcasts, one with you guys. And my Sirius XMFC show on Wednesdays. Thank you. Which, which once in a while, you know who the guest is. That's okay. Yeah. Roberto Bromwitz. All right. So what Glenn failed to mention uh, is the fact that uh, it, he's hosting, basically, a Facebook Live before every match, probably about, what, 45 minutes before the match. And depending if it's at home or away, either it's you and Maddie Lawrence or it's you and me, but it's always Glenn. As, as you've uh, figured out by now, Tom. So, uh, but we're always there on Facebook Live on the NYC, which is a New York City FC page. Let's be, on, let's be correct on this. It's the New York City FC page. And uh, that is on Facebook. And you can look for us, um, social media to promote it. And uh, so we get you the exact times. Uh, so and if you, uh, if you want to comment, uh, and then I get to see if I'm going to put your comment in. Uh, I am the editor. I am the did editor of all the comments. So, uh, pardon? Did it actually go out on Facebook this past time? It did. It made it made the, it made the uh, it made the cut on Facebook New York City FC. But thank you, Roberto. Yeah, we do it right after starting lineups come out, so we can review the lineups and uh, and get off in time. Honestly, we get off in time so that if you want to watch Joe Tolleson and Ian Joy on the Yes pregame, you can go right to that, and then you come back to us for our pregame. So there's all kinds of pregames. <laughs> <laughs> there is. You, you, there's no way that you're going in uninformed on no. what is happening with this game if you're paying attention. No, no. So in all. Spanish, what we're doing is that Ariel Judas and I are doing a Facebook Live. Uh, we're probably going to use, let's see, depending what's happening, we might go with StreamYard for this week. But if not, either way, it's going to be on Facebook. It's going to be on my Facebook page at Roberto Abramowitz Oficial. Uh, we'll put stuff out on Twitter and uh, on Facebook to... Uh, Make sure you get there. It's in Spanish. Basically the same thing. We go over the preview of the game and uh, take some comments. And uh, we interact with the fans that, uh, that sign on. So we encourage you all to do that. And, uh, you know, we love talking to you. So that's really cool. As far as the game itself is concerned, you can hear it on uh, nycfc.com slash radio. If you already have tuned in, then you know where to go. Favorite the page and you can go straight there. Uh, Ariel and I will start 15 minutes before the broadcast. So that means 5.45 for the game. Uh, if, as far as our Facebook preview, it will probably be somewhere either before or, the, or after the one that uh, we do with Glenn. So uh, we'll keep you posted on that. And you can follow me on Twitter at Rob Abramowitz. You can follow me on Instagram at Roberto Abramowitz. So uh, please do all that. Spread the love of our broadcast on, uh, on radio. Spread the love. Let people know. I keep on being shocked of uh, people telling me, go, wow, I didn't know you guys did a radio broadcast. We've been doing it since day one. I got people on Twitter the other day telling me this. And I'm like, seriously? We've been doing this since day one. The word, incredibly, the word just isn't out the way it should be. 
So we're on radio every single game or digital audio, if you want to call that, nycfc.com slash radio. Follow us. I love radio. Is it because I'm older? I love-, I love radio, too. I prefer radio to TV. I much prefer doing radio to TV. I love it. No, I, just, love it. I think it must be because we grew up with it. But now di- the digital age, it's the same thing, right? You just uh, different. John, do you love radio? You not John, you. did you grow up listening to games on the radio in Colombia? John? Yeah. People in Colombia go to the stadium with a radio and listen That's- to the radio and watch the game on the stadium. See, that's yeah. what I used to Which do. you can't do anymore. No. Well, you no, can't. The reason John, you can't give us a delay. John, give us, some, uh, give us some social followings so we can go. Look at Tom's about ready to collapse. I got work to do. I <laughs> <laughs> got to write an offer. Tom's still in the office, ready for an offer. How much is this offer? Two million. No, Two million? Right. No. All right. Okay. Quite. All right. Cool. All right, so pe- people can follow me on jrojas875, that is on Twitter. I'm getting into the rhythm of uh, posting and publishing a tactical piece every Monday. What I did today was to Atlanta United uh, issues with the attack. Keep it coming, John. Every- keep it coming. Keep it coming. I just remembered I have Paul Shaw, the radio commentator for Orlando City FC on my Series XM show, and we talk about Orlando City. Isn't that fitting? Yeah. Fitting. How about that? Very yeah. Timely. All right, guys. Thank you. All right. For Glenn, Roberto, and John, I'm Tom. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of Soccer in the City.